spirit. But as always, I like to look at things from a different perspective. Right? I like to look at it from a different perspective. Did you find it on the desktop, Patrick? Yeah. And this morning it was read to you hearing that. No, it's not. No. It's called Faith of a Farmer. So this morning it was read to you hearing about the talents, right? Talents. One was given, that's it. One was given five, another was given five. Well, one was given two, and another was given one, right? Five, two, and one. The one who had five, he flipped it and doubled it and made it 10. Right? The one who had two, flipped it and doubled it and made it four. But the one who had one, he buried his. Right? Because he knew his master was a hard man. Right? So let us look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. It says, But this I say, he who, he who, that's everybody, right? He who sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap also bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves that you're forgiven. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have an all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed the rod, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. I'm not going to be talking about giving at all. Okay, so, so just open your mind. Don't shut down just yet. Don't right. shut down just yet. I'm not talking about taking out money in your pocket and giving it to the church, even though that's what you should do. But this morning, we're going to be talking about that right there. Souls sparing, right? And souls bountifully, right? So I want us to look at three, three things right here. Who has the most faith? Right? right, they didn't have a scuba dive. Right? It takes a lot of guts to go underwater with a tank on your back and trust and believe that you're gonna be able to breathe in the water. Right? Right. You don't have no idea if big sharks are out there swimming behind you, looking at you as lunch. You know? But you have all of this water above you and potentially all of this water below you and you have enough faith to believe that you're gonna be able to survive under that water. Right? Let's look at these guys working on power lines. Right? Some of us don't like plugging stuff into the outlet because you're scared to get electrocuted, right? But these guys work on high-voltage power lines yeah. all the time, yeah. right? They have to have a sense of faith to know that their training is going to keep them safe, right? Yeah. Their, uh, I guess, PPE, their protective equipment, the rubber gloves or the rubber mats that they use to cover the power lines will protect them from being electrocuted to death, yeah. right? It's a lot of faith. And then we have this guy, a farmer. What kind of faith does a farmer have, right? He has all of these seeds, right? And he plants these seeds. And he's trusting and believing in due time that seed is going to germinate into a plant, right? And eventually, after some time, he's going to be able to harvest those plants, right? Yeah. Either for his consumption or to sell at market. But he having faith to believe that these little seeds are going to germinate into a plant, right? Amen. So today, we're talking about faith of a farmer, okay? 
let's examine the scripture right here. Right? He who sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. Let's think about that farmer for a second, right? That farmer, let's say he has two seeds, right? He sows those two seeds. He's sowing sparingly, right? If anyone has ever sowed any seeds before, you know all of your seeds do not germinate, right? None of, not all of them germinate. So the more you sow, the more chances that you have to yield a better crop or more crops, right? So he who sows sparingly, the little you sow, then that's the few amount of chances that you get to reap, right? But if you sow bountifully, you sow a lot of seeds, then you get to potentially benefit from receiving a lot of crops, right? Mm -hmm. So let each one give as he purpose in his heart. Is it in your heart to sow? Mm -hmm. Is it in your heart to give up what has been given to you? You know, some of us look at sowing or seeds that we have personally as that man with that one talent, right? Mm -hmm. We have this opportunity, we have this knowledge, we have this whatever gift we have, but we decide to hold on to it, right? Mm -hmm. We decide to hold on to it because we know our God is a hard man, right? Mm -hmm. So we choose not to sow anything, but yet we always complain when we reap sparingly, Mm -hmm. right? What are we sowing in life that we're not going to want down the road, right? So let's look at sowing. We're, we're sowing today for our future, okay? We're not sowing today for anything right now, okay? And we're going to examine this some more. In Genesis 8, chapter, chapter 8, verses 20 through 21, it says, Then Noah, this is after the flood, right? After the flood, God made a promise. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and looked of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, mm-hmm. nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Right? Time's going to go on. But I got in gold seed time and harvest, right? Uh-huh. Just like in, in Ecclesiastes, we know there's a time for everything, right? There's a time for everything. So seed time, harvest. In the military, well, I know in the army at least, we have this term called implied task, right? In the military decision-making process, you have essential tasks, things that I tell you exactly what needs to be done. And within that, we have implied tasks, things that I do not explicitly say, okay? So just like, think about you telling your kids to clean their room. You tell them to clean your room, that's the essential task, to clean the room. But the implied task is vacuum the floor, make your bed, clean the closet, pick your shoes about the floor. So we have implied tasks that we don't explicitly say, but we intend for it to be understood, right? So seed time and harvest. In seed time, we don't see anything about sowing, right? We don't see anything about sowing, but again, it's implied, right? Because if you just have seed and you don't sow it, you're not going to have a harvest, right? So we have that implied task. So seed, time, harvest. So we want to look at an equation, right? There's an equation for reaping, okay? Seed plus time equals harvest, right? So seed plus time equals harvest. And 
us, I said it before, but us younger people, right, have the reputation of being considered the microwave generation. Yeah. I think this society as a whole, so all of y'all can get in there, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's society as a whole. So we, we have an idea that we want something right now. So if I invest $20 into whatever venture, I'm expecting a return on my investment rather soon, right? If I give you something, whether it be my time, my effort, my energy, whatever, I'm expecting a return on my investment rather soon. But one thing we are missing out on is that time, right? So we got the seed sowing and the harvest or reaping, but it's that time that frustrates us, right? Because we don't know how long it's going to take for that seed to germinate, right? So seeds that's sown today may not benefit us until three or four years down the road. Right. Seeds that we sow today may not benefit our generation at all. It may benefit our next generation, yeah. right? So that time piece is what frustrates a lot of us, right? And since it frustrates us, we just say, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to these seeds, uh -huh. and I'm just going to use it for my benefit, right. right? So let's take, for instance, we decide we want to plant a fruit tree out there. You take a seed of a fruit tree and you plant it in the ground, Next year, you're not going to get fruit from that tree, right? The year after that, you're probably not going to get any fruit from that tree. The year after that, you probably won't either. It's going to take time for that tree to mature enough to bear fruit that other people can benefit from, right? So if we negate the fact that there is time involved when we are sowing these seeds, then we're going to miss the whole point of the harvest, right? And also, us in the church, us in the church, we have this idea that we all want to reap a harvest, right? We got a song, Harvest Time, right? Yeah. And towards the latter part of the year, when it comes to agriculture, that's the harvest time, right? With us, we don't realize, some of us, we don't realize that harvest, that's when it's time to work, right? So harvest time is not just eating or, or benefiting from whatever you planted, right? Now it's time to put your hand to the plow and dig up what you just planted so that way you can benefit from it and sow it again, right? But that harvest time, that's where the rubber meets the road, you know? That's where you realize if you're really serious about that seed that you've sown, you know? How many of us think about, you don't have to answer, but during this time, right, you have a lot of people who choose they don't want to work at a traditional nine to five, right? Their idea, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I want my own business. I want, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to benefit from business credit. That's all fine and good. However, it's going to take time. You know? yeah. None of that stuff is going to happen overnight. Yeah. You want your own business? That's cool. When was the last time you sown into someone else's business? Right. Right? When is the last time that you decided you wanted to just bless someone else by, you see that they're trying to generate a business or whatever, you help them out on their journey, yeah. you know? Amen. Granted, you may not benefit from it at all, but right. who knows where that person may be down the road that may give you a seed, Amen. you know? Who may bless your life, who may sow into your life later on, you know? Right. Now, I'm not saying uh, do this for that, you know? Right. Not at all. However, I am saying there's a time and place for everything, Amen. right? If you sow, then that's the bottom dollar that you can reap later on, right? Yeah. And this is not just for Christians. This is for everybody. The rain, the sun, it shines and rains on everybody, the just and the unjust, right? This is not something that just 
we benefit from. However, there is something that we benefit from after we leave here, right? Amen. There's a seed that's sown to us as Christians. Once we obey Christ, now we have a seed that we can sow to other people that's that right. if they obey, that's they right. too can have life afterwards. So this is what I want to examine. Mark chapter 4. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Verses 1 through 20. If you need a minute, say hold up. We're about to go. I didn't hear any hold ups. Let's ride. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears, let them hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside. All things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately received it with gladness, and they have no roots in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and des desires for those, correction, for other things, entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Mm -hmm. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear it. Fruit, uh, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Yeah. So what is that seed that I'm talking about? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the seed that we all have. Right. If we put on Christ in baptism, we have at least this one seed. Uh -huh. Right. How many of us hold on to this one seed? Right. How many of us refuse to share this one seed or sow this one seed into someone else? Right. right. Just think about if we never would have had that one seed sown to us, we'd be still lost. Right. Yeah. But we all are, ha are harboring or have this one seed. In Acts 4, 12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else. But there is no other name under heaven with that has been given among men by which we must be saved, right? 
we have this one seed, which is the gospel of Christ. A lot of us, I don't want to say a lot of us, but some of us, may not be comfortable sharing this good news of the gospel. You know? However, we're comfortable sharing everything else. You know? How much care and concern do we have for our loved ones to share this gospel? Right? We love them enough to do anything else. You know, why not care enough about them for their soul? Yeah. Right? In John 1, the 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word talking about Jesus, right? So he was in the beginning before the world was even formed. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Right? So we know that Christ, he is the way to eternal salvation. Right? We have that, 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 that basic understanding. But why are we not sowing this seed into others? You know? Whether it be strangers or whether it be loved ones. Yesterday, that's what we did you know, with the tracks at the parade, sowing the seed, right? We don't know what they're going to do with it once they receive it. That's not our responsibility, right? Our responsibility is just sow the seed, right? That time piece, that's not our responsibility to figure out how long it's going to take before it germinates. That's God's business, right? So for us, all we have to do is just sow the seed and leave the rest to God, and then we can bet the bottom dollar that we can reap a harvest later on, right? In John 5, 24, through 29, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come unto judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so, I, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Right? So, I have in gold believes in him. Um, but about, you, you typically read the NIV versions, right? Yeah. Can you pull up this same scripture? John 5, 24. Just that first one. John 5, 24. And, and read, read that one. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. All right, thank you. All right. Most assuredly, some says verily, verily. Some hood translations say for real, for real. But if you read the word of God, it says believe in him, right? Believe in him. We got believes in him. If you ask most people if they believe in God, they would say yes. Right? Most people would say, yes, I believe in God. I believe that there is God and, 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 and he has supreme authority over the earth. 
Got it. No, no issues there. But my question to that is, do you believe him? There's a difference, right? Believing in him, he's, he's essentially the object of my faith, right? He's the one who I, I, I pray to. Who, he's the object of my faith. But believing in him, do I believe his word, right? Do I believe what is written in the, in the word of God? We know that scripture is given by the inspiration of God, right? It's not written by the inspiration of man who has the opinion to, or, or the option to put his own opinion in there, right? It's given by the inspiration of God. But, so do you believe him? If you believe him, then we can work towards salvation, right? right sure. Just simply believing in him is not enough. The, the, the devil believes in him, right? Amen. But do you believe his word that he's going to come back, right? Do you believe his word when he says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation, right? There are three things. You know, I always want to leave it with three things. So there, there are three things that the word of God as far as can you sit can you go to the next slide alright cool I got you appreciate it alright so the gospel it does three things right one, the gospel saves, right? The gospel saves us from sin. Without the gospel, there is absolutely no way we can make heaven our home. It's just not going to happen. No matter how good of a life we live down here on earth, we're not going to be in a heavenly place if we do not obey the gospel. Simple as that, okay? The gospel sustains. The gospel sustains us when we do face those trials and tribulations on this time side, right? Because we do know that we are going to be tried, right? We do know we're going to face hard times at times. The gospel will sustain us, right? We can lean on the word of God to know that he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. He's going to be with us every step of the way, right? And we can lean on him. We can call on him. And he will sustain us through those hard times, right? He's going to sustain us through the good times as well. But it's oftentimes, during the good times, we don't really think about it. But when those hard times come, Jesus is the first name we call him, right? So we're kind of like using him like a spare tire only when we need him, you know? But trust and believe the gospel of Christ, it saves and it sustains us. And it's supposed to shape our behavior, okay? Now that's a big one because we can obey Christ, right? We can be baptized and everything. We can call on him when we need him. Sometimes when we don't, but do we allow the gospel of Christ to shape our behavior? The same things that used to trip us up before should not trip us up years down the line, right? We should allow it to shape our behaviors. The same pitfalls and traps that we used to give into before, we should not be given to, given into once we obey Christ and get or grow more in his word, right? We all know that we should be not conformed to this word, right? Be transformed by the renewing of our, of, of our mind. So are we allowing the gospel of Christ to shape our behavior? For a lot of us, no. A lot of us, no. It, it, it's, it's not shaping our behavior. We got wet in the water and, and we still live in the same life that we was before, right? And it all boils down to we don't believe him, right? We don't believe that God has a vengeance. 
right? We don't believe that we will see that wrath. We believe that he's a, a good, just God, which he is, you know? However, if you're not doing what he's telling you to do, if you're not living how he tells us to live, then we will see that wrath, right? We will face his vengeance. And I don't want to face his vengeance, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't want to spend an eternity in condemnation, right? So are we allowing the gospel of Christ to shape our behavior? Okay? It sustains, it saves, and it shapes our behavior, right? Verse 25, most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Even those graves mm-hmm. have to get up, right? Mm-hmm. People who are dead, they're, they're going to hear his voice too. So no matter if you're still living, you're dead, you're going to hear his voice. <laughs> this is the seed that we need to be sowing to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. How many people that have we come in contact with that we just refuse to sow that seed, right? Mm-hmm. Or we get frustrated when we do sow the seed and we sit down when we have Bible studies, we teach them and, what, and whatnot, and they still just will not obey, mm-hmm. right? They still just will not obey. Back to believing in him. A lot of us know people. We're close to people, whether it be family, friends, associates, or whatever, who say that they believe in God, right? But when you ask, do they believe in him? They probably will say yes, especially if they go to a church, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the church of Christ, but they go to a church. They say, yeah, I believe in him, mm-hmm. you know? Well, why don't you obey his word? Because mm-hmm. your actions are showing otherwise, right? Yeah. You say you believe in him. However, your actions are saying that you believe in the man that's preaching at whatever church that you attended, mm-hmm. right? Because you're most of believing in whatever he's telling you, or even now she's telling you as this female preachers, right? You believe in what they're telling you as opposed to what the word of God says, okay? So we believe God or believe in God, but we don't necessarily believe what's written in his word, you know? And that believing in him and believing him, that's what's going to catch a lot of us up, you know, even in the, in the body of Christ, it's going to catch a lot of us up because we're not studying to show ourselves approved, right? We're just merely walking and, and eating on whatever, the man or the woman of God is in front of you telling you, right? But you're not doing your own due diligence and studying for yourself, right? There's a, a term, I just said it, due diligence in stocks, right? You got a lot of folks who are getting into stocks now. People can tell you what to invest in, right? If you ask someone who's benefiting or making a lot of money in stocks or whatnot, you ask them what to invest in, they may say, hey, Apple's going to be short next week, you know, so go ahead and invest in a couple of Apple stocks so we'll get some options, right? So you just blindly going and buying this stuff and then you lose money, you know? Yeah. Why? Because you did not do your due diligence, right? You didn't go and do your own research. You didn't go and do your own due diligence and study and see why this movement is projected to go in that direction, okay? That's what a lot of us do. We don't do our own due diligence in studying the word of God. Yeah. Right? We just eat and feast on whatever some man or some woman is telling us, and we believe that that is true. You know? yeah. However, the word of God is true. Right? The word of God is true. He, is, he says that I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Right? No one can come unto the Father except by who? Jesus. By me. Right? Talk about Jesus. So if Jesus is not the foundation of that church, 
what are we talking about? You know, we're, we're not talking about the church that Christ built, right? Because he died for his own church. He gave his life for his own church. And he's coming back for his own church, right? So if your church is not his, then you're not believing in, you're not believing Christ. You're not believing him. You're believing in somebody else, right? Sure. Are you following? Yeah. All right. So we know it saves, sustains, and it shapes, right? Share the gospel. That, 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 that's the bottom line. Share the gospel. Have the faith of that farmer, right? Don't care about how long it's going to take for someone to obey the gospel. Again, that's not your business. It's your duty to share it. Did you do what you're supposed to do? Did you share the gospel? That's it. Share the gospel, okay? Because who knows, this one person that you sow into may have the influence of thousands behind them they believe, and then now they influence a thousands more, right? So you just never know how big of an influence you may have on someone just by sowing that one seed, right? But some of us, we hold on to this one seed, right? And what I was talking about earlier, reaping as you're sowing, what we read every day when it comes to collection, the sowing that I'm talking about is not money, okay? Sharing the gospel doesn't cost you anything, right? You can sow many different ways, right? You can sow an encouragement, right? Someone's having a bad day, you can sow words of encouragement, you know? Someone is having a rough time in their marriage, you know? You can sow words of encouragement, you know? You can sow into your own marriage, right? You, you, you're having a rough time in your own marriage. You, you can sow into your own relationship, you know? How many times have you sown into your wife? How many times have you sown into your husband, right? Oftentimes, we find ourselves in relationships taking as much as we can, you know? However, you're going to keep taking and not depositing. You're going to run bankrupt, right? So we have to continue to sow into those relationships, right? We have to sow into relationships out here amongst us, right? Not just talking about uh, romantic relationships with our spouses, but just in general, you know? How many times have we come across somebody working at a, at a fast food restaurant who just seems like they're not having a, a, the best day, you know? How many times have we just try to put a smile on their face, you know? How many times have we just said a nice word or a kind word, you know? Some people are in, in professions where it's a thankless profession, you know? Like, like the healthcare industry, right? The healthcare industry. It, no one is thanking you for saving their life, right? No one is thanking you for uh, paying attention to how much fluids or how much medicine they're supposed to get so that way you don't overdose them, right? Yeah. It's a thankless profession. People that do it don't do it for the praise. However, I can guarantee you it does feel good to be recognized and to be thanked, right? How many of us work in school systems where you're dealing with bad kids or troubled kids and whatnot, and you just feel like you're being overlooked and no one is ever recognizing you. You know, if someone was to show a little bit of appreciation, just the smallest gesture, even something small as a, uh, as a appreciation card or a thank you card, you know, that can go a long ways, you know? I'm oftentimes working in the high schools, right? Working in the high schools with these kids and in the counselor's office, they have like Christmas cards, thank you cards, or uh, Thanksgiving cards all over the desk. And many of them are from years ago, right? But it's just the small gestures that mean a whole lot that can lift up their spirits and continue and to help them continue to put forth that effort, right? So my point is the things that we sow does not have to be monetary, Amen. okay? Because we have a lot of seeds within us that 
we just continue to hold on to, but yet expecting to reap a harvest. You know, we're holding on to it, thinking that we're going to be able to benefit from it in the future, even though we didn't sow it into the ground. You know, so we have the idea that we want to be able to go out into a forest, but don't want to plant one seed. You know, we want to go into a forest, but don't want to plant a seed. How often do we find ourselves needing encouragement? Right? How often do we find ourselves needing someone to lean on or needing this or that, whatever the case may be? But when was the last time that you sown into somebody who was in need? Right. Right? Right. Now, I'm not saying, again, to do it just to benefit from it in the future. Do it because it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. And it will benefit you in the future. A lot of old school parents, a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but some old school parents have the idea that I want my child to get it by his bootstraps, you know, get it how I got it, you know. For me personally, I never understood that mentality. I never understood the mentality, I want my kids to struggle just like I do, you know. That, to me, does not make sense. Right. For me, I want my kids to live a, a heck of a better life than I ever lived, you know? Yes. And if I can do that by sowing seeds today for their tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do, you know? Because at the end of the day, I want them to be better than I was. And I want their kids to be better than them, you know what I mean? And, and to progress over these generations, you know? But there's no way that that can happen if I'm not sowing it to them, right? If I'm not sowing it to other people, you know? Because, like I said, what we sow today, we're not going to harvest right away. It's going to take time. And that time is what frustrates a lot of us, right? And oftentimes, when it comes to saving, sustaining, and shaping, that gospel, again, we just, just do not want to allow it to do what it's supposed to do. You know, we don't want to allow it to shape our behavior. We, we, we look at it as conforming. I don't want to conform to religion, right? Religion is too, is too, is too uptight, it's too, too regimented. I don't want to conform to that. However, if you don't allow it to shape your behavior, if you don't allow it to change your mentality, if you don't allow it to renew your mind, you're going to find yourself in eternal condemnation, right? Because we still live in the same lifestyle that we were before we decided to put on Christ in baptism, right? So how does all of this work? You know? That's it right there. Yes, sir. Steps of salvation. You must hear the word. And again, when you hear it, do you believe what you're hearing? Okay? It's one thing, like I said, it's one thing to just acknowledge, yes, I believe in God, but do you believe what is written? Okay? Because I can show you what is written, and it's not aligned with whatever you're hearing at your church down the street, and which route are you going to choose? Okay, you have to make a decision. The decision is yours, okay? Because at the end of the day, no one can stand before God except for you, right? You, you have to give them own, your own account for your life. So if you are given the opportunity to put on Christ in baptism, to listen to his word, to hear his word, to obey his word, the choice is yours, right? Amen. What are you going to do? Are you going to choose to obey it? Or are you going to say, you know what? I hear you, I see it for myself, but I'm still going to believe what my man down the street was telling me. You know? I'm still going to believe that as long as I say this prayer and whatnot, that I am saved, right? I'm still going to believe that as long as they splash me with a little water in my face, 
that I have been saved by Christ. Right? I still want to believe that, yeah, I don't have to be baptized now. I was baptized as an infant, you know, in a Christian and whatnot, and I don't have to do it no more. You know? Whenever you study, you realize that that's not Bible. Right? That's not accurate. And when you learn better, you should do better. Right? You would think it's easy to do better as you learn better, but for some folks, I'm still tied to that man that I see in that pulpit, you know? Do we believe what we're hearing? Do we believe it? Are we gonna repent of those sins? And when we repent, not just say that I'm not gonna do it again and go back and do it again, you know? Not to say that I'm not gonna do it again and decide that, hey, I got this avenue of repentance, now I can do whatever I want, I can keep sinning and keep repenting and keep sinning and keep repenting. It doesn't work like that, you know? You must truly change your behavior. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, shaping your behavior. Are you allowing the word of God to shape your behavior? Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in that cycle, repenting and sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting and sinning. And in fact, you're not even repenting at all. You know, you're just saying you are. But obviously, you're not repenting because you keep going and doing the same thing over and over again. Right? So we have that avenue of repentance not to be playing with God, saying that I'm not going to do it again if you get me out of this situation. He gets you out of the situation, and then you go back and do it once you get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you need to abstain from whatever that sin was. Yeah. You know? And if you truly sin on, on by accident or whatever, now you can repent. But don't just keep sinning and repenting and think you have that, that grace that God has given you. Right now. Are you going to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? You know? Do you believe that Christ is God's Son? Yeah. You know? But some are like, no, there is no way. You know, he was born in where? He was born in a manger? No. My God was not born in those stinking barn, you know. I don't serve a God that was born around animals. I'm like, mm-mm. There's no way. My God is the supreme being, you know. I go talk in the box to my God through another man. Yeah. <coughs> but are we going to confess that Christ is that son of the living God and then be baptized for the remission of our sins? You know, it's very important that we follow the steps to salvation because just doing one without the other is is incorrect. You're in error. Right. So you just go jump in this pool back here. That don't that don't mean you're baptized. Right. Just because you you go on the water back here does not mean you're baptized, especially if you don't believe his word. Okay, you have to believe his word. It's Amen. simply that simple. Believe what God says, then repent of your sins. And when you repent, truly repent. Yeah. You know, have that 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 earnest repent. Like like I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I was on a path to damnation, and I don't want to go that way. Yeah. You know, I was on a path to destruction. My soul needs to be saved. You know, yeah. because we know that we are here on this earth for only a limited amount of time. Amen. Right. After we are, we are dead and gone, that is it. That's right. we, can, we, can, we cannot change where our final resting place is once we close our eyes and death. Right? So why not make that decision right now when you have the time, when you have the opportunity, when you're in your right mind to do so? Because right? some of us have family members who are up in age now, Amen. who are not in their right minds anymore, Amen. you know, who in their youth, they can understand and they can do, but 
now that they're older, you know, have dementia, have Alzheimer's, have memory loss, you know, that you, they really don't understand what's really going on. That's tough, you know? Don't find yourself in that situation that you keep putting it off, keep kicking the can down the road. I'm gonna get to it, I'm gonna get to it. I don't wanna live my life now. I don't wanna be a hypocrite being in the church and then still sinning, you know, so I wanna wait till I got all the sin out of my system and then, and then put on Christ in baptism. No, do it now while you still have your right mind. Yeah. Do it now while the blood is warming warm your veins. Right? Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's right. right? Because I use the analogy of getting old, but we can leave out of here and get in a car accident. That's right. And not be in our right minds. Right? And have a head injury. And now, if we didn't put on Christ before, now we're kind of stuck, you know? It's, 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 it's a bad situation, you know? So, while we have the opportunity now, why not act on it? Right? Act on it. And lastly, that again, that seed. Let us not let us not grow weary in waiting on that part right there. Right. Again, we all have seeds, right? We, we all have seeds. The gospel is not the only seed that we all have. We all have yeah. many other seeds. Yeah. Let's not hold on to them. Sow it bountifully. So you can reap bountifully. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Sow it bountifully. So you can reap bountifully. Not saying that this is prosperity stuff and all, and all this stuff. It, it's, it's life. You know? Yeah. It's life. You find yourself in need. We all find ourselves in need at one time or another. Yeah. In that time of need, why not sow into somebody else? You know? I, for, for me, I can speak for myself. When I find myself in need and, and I put time and effort into someone else, yeah. I, I, I began to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I began to feel better. And yeah. I realized that, and I do it, and not because I want to feel better, but I do it because I know that there's a need. Yeah. And I know that I have something that others can benefit from. Yeah. Right? The quick story. So when I was a police officer, right, there was this older, older gentleman. His name was Rainey. Right? He would stand on the exit ramp of 285 and Flat Shoulders Road. And every time he would see the police, he would start to walk away, you know, because he don't want to get a ticket, you know. But a lot of police officers, they would harass him and kick him off the, the interstate and, and, and tell him you can't be out here, you know. But I took the time and got to know him, right. And uh, he had a hunchback and he had a cane and he always walked up there and he would be standing over there and panhandling, asking for money, you know. So when I see him, every time I see him, I address him by his name. Hey, what's going on, Mr. Rainey? Like, hey, what's going on, Thomas? I'm like, hey, nothing much. So, did you make much money out here today? He's like, nah, nobody giving out much today. Ah, that's messed up. But I took the time to get to know Mr. Rainman, and he lived at the uh, motel right off the interstate. Right? And he'd get a, a VA check, a little small VA check that he used to, to pay for the VA, well, for the motel. Right? And that motel is notorious for drugs. Notorious for prostitution, notorious for gang activity, and everything. So what ended up happening, we have a lot of situations, a lot of calls that come from that motel because the prostitutes would get beat up by Johns and would call the police and try to act like they're not selling, and we all know what the story is, you know. But there was a time where whenever there was a threat put out that whenever law enforcement would come onto the property, some of the residents that lived there would shoot us or try to hurt us, right? No one would tell the police that other than Mr. Raymond, 
right? Mm -hmm. He would let me know, hey, T, you may not want to come over here today because those boys out here. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I, I appreciate the heads up, Mr. Rankin, you know? And uh, just things like that, sowing small seeds of kindness, being kind to people, seeing him as a person, yes. not as someone who is being a, 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 a nuisance or violating the, the way of life in that area. He looked out for me, you know, and potentially saved my life because there are times when we would go over there to arrest people or to uh, answer 911 calls, and it's not the best of situations because you would see people looking, and you know people got guns over there. You would see people looking, and you know they're on the phone calling other people to come over there because 12 is out there, you know. So when I see Mr. Raymond, I always appreciate him. Hey, I appreciate you looking out for me, you know what I mean? And I always look out for him. So I, I give him a couple of dollars or even get him something to eat, you know. But I don't do it because I'm trying to get information out of him. That's just who I am as a person. You know, I, I don't look over people simply because of their circumstances. You know? Because I know it could just be me in that situation, you know. And I don't want people to look past me or to look over me, you know. So I see him as a person because he is a person. He had a life before he was in this predicament, you know. I don't know his whole story of what caused him to become homeless. However... I know that I can just as well be that person right there on the corner asking for money. So I see you, you know what I mean? And those small seeds of kindness, it, 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 it wasn't I see him one day, what's your name and whatnot, and the next day he tell me what's going on. This is a relationship that's built over time, right? I see him all the time. Every time I'm coming into work, I see him. Every time I'm leaving work, I see him, you know? I acknowledge him. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about, the small things that doesn't cost anything yeah. that can benefit you down the road. Amen. 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 Y'all follow? Amen. All, right. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's attention. And remember, mm -hmm. the gospel is sage, sustains, and it should shape our behavior. Amen. 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 You got a closing song? Or explanation song? 613. All right. Let us stand. Thank you. 613. Have you been to Jesus for the